0: This is Ion Health, delving into your overall well-being with
1: Arab Health on Dubai Eye 103.8.
0: Great to have you with us, Helen Farmer with you. And on this week's show, we are talking women's health. Many healthcare care specialists say this area is still yet underfunded and misunderstood. So here on Ion Health, brought to you by Arab Health, we have four experts to find out what needs to be done so women can take care of their own health and wellness talking women's health today. And Sophie Smith is the founder and CEO of NABTA Health. It's a hybrid healthcare platform for women providing personalised healthcare to women, especially in emerging markets. We are talking talking about women's health today and delighted to be joined by Sophie Smith. She is the founder and CEO of NABTA Health. It's a hybrid healthcare platform for women providing personalised healthcare for women in emerging markets. And Sophie, I'm really glad we're starting with you today because I feel like there's an awful lot of information or perhaps lack of information out there when it comes to women being represented in healthcare studies. And I wonder if you could give us a little bit of background on what's been happening traditionally when it comes to, to research, to testing, to, you know, development of medication, even when it comes to the gender divide.
1: I'm really glad that you started with that question, uh, because it's actually one of the main reasons we founded Um Women were excluded from clinical trials and research. Um, largely until 1994 which means that today women are still 50 to 75 percent more likely than men to suffer adverse reactions to drugs um, because drugs have predominantly been designed for and tested on men um, and to give you an an idea of what this stat means it would be like the manufacturer of underwear handing you and your husband a pair of pants each and his would cover him completely front and back and you would be entirely exposed at the back and partially you at the front and the manufacturer would look at you and go Everything's fine, great, sorted.
0: Let, let, let's get and, it to <laughs> market.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. And this would be this would be the case for every single pair of pants that you wore, um, and and there would be no pair of pants that actually provided the same coverage as the men in your life. Um, uh, and of course, the are, men
0: the men are going through the world then presumably thinking, well, we've been very well looked after, so I don't really see what the problem is.
1: Exactly. Until you have a woman stand stood in front of you exposing almost all of herself because the pants aren't actually fit for purpose. Um, Another really good example. And a recent example is the um, the clotting statistics associated with the AstraZeneca vaccine. So um, after they did a whole bunch of studies in the UK, it was decided that they wouldn't distribute this vaccine to under thirties because there was a four in 1 million or a one in 250,000 chance of developing a blood clot. Now, hormonal birth control, is prescribed to women every day, and there's a one in 60,000 chance of a clot um, with hormone forms of contraceptive. So it's deemed perfectly fine to prescribe these to girls as young as 11 and 12 who are suffering with irregular cycles, but take something that is four times less likely to happen and affects the entire, including the male population, and suddenly there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a big gap in terms of understanding and also... Um, in terms of what we are willing to accept from a risk perspective in women's health versus healthcare in general.
0: And you mentioned a gap there, and there's certainly a gap when it comes to women of different nationalities, of traditions, cultures and backgrounds as well when it comes to the research. We know that black women have um, increased problems when it comes to even even. You know, in 2021 to, you know, death and childbirth, you know, w- what about those gaps in when it comes to uh, representation of women um, from different parts of the world?
1: Well, so this is, again, this is precisely why we decided to focus on the Middle East, Africa and South Asia, because if you look at the distribution of clinical research and trials today, 92% occur in the US and Europe. And most of the remaining eight percent occurs in the Far East. So there's very little research done specifically on our demographic, and the implications of this are seen everywhere. You mentioned um, pregnancy-related complications. African-American women in the U.S. are three to four times more likely to die of pregnancy-related complications than white women. Um, and you know we we are in an immensely pr- privileged position where we fall on the right side of the fence. Mm-hmm. But all of the populations that we work with here are not, are not in the same place. And, you know, this is a very rapidly growing market. It's a very young market. Over 70% of populations in most countries are under 35. You've got a lot of young girls and women who are at or, you know, rapidly hitting childbearing age, huge penetration of technology, um, very smart, very motivated individuals. We have the opportunity now to change the story for women here in this region, and not just to build uh, a model of healthcare that provides um, equal opportunities for women in health, but to build something that is really superior, you know, that is woman centric, that takes um, women's health needs into account, that is designed and built specifically demographic by demographic for the women in those countries. Um, And I think that's what. That's one of the things that really excites us. You know, it's a big gap, but then it's also an opportunity to build something better.
0: I wanted to ask you about COVID implications as well, Sophie, because we've seen this internationally, as you say, even in first world privileged countries, we've seen um, African-Americans um, having a higher risk of death for, uh, simply because of having to be in the workplace, being in service industry jobs, being frontline workers as well. What have you seen when it comes to women and in COVID internationally and impact on their health care and their overall wellness?
1: So I think um, one of the, the the only conclusion that people have come to universally is that not enough comprehensive research has been done in the context of COVID-19 and the COVID-19 vaccines on women and all aspects of their health. Um, for example, around the world, it's been reported that there have been interruptions in menstrual cycle patterns, some more severe than others. Um, you know, women are finding that periods that have been regular for 30 years are suddenly coming earlier that they're then becoming irregular that they're suffering with intermittent abnormal uterine bleeding um and it's been it's been flagged globally and um and uh, the kind of the general um i guess feed that was put out was well it's not unexpected that where an immune response is sort of prompted Um, there would be changes within menstrual cycles. But basically, the thing that everybody has agreed on is that not enough research was done, and it should have been done. And we should have had more dedicated studies looking at women who are pregnant and women who are breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are some studies coming out of Scandinavia that shows that the the mRNA vaccines have increased miscarriage rates quite substantially. Um, So the data is disparate. um, It's very varied, and... I mean, for somebody like me who's been pregnant since the vaccines became available, um, there hasn't been the opportunity to be vaccinated. And now with um, vaccine certificates coming out for travel, as opposed to kind of immunity based um, passports, you know, as long as as long as women are pregnant and breastfeeding, they're going to be restricted with their travel more than their male counterparts. And so the inequalities from a healthcare perspective are going to be perpetuated in other realms that we hadn't even thought about yeah it's true starts to get
0: a bit a bit handmaid's tail doesn't it um Sophie I wanted, yes. <laughs> um, Sophie I think you know you're talking there about gaps in research but there's also huge gaps in funding and investment as well when it comes to femtech what would the numbers say I wasn't say stack up there but they don't stack up but what is what has been happening when it comes to investment in um, in what's known as femtech
1: so femtech investment has increased in recent years. I mean, it's still a disproportionately small part of um, the funding made available for health tech in general. Um, considering that I, I think a lot of people still think about femtech as things relating to women's reproductive health, but it's not. It's you know technology enabled solutions that deal with women in the context of their health. So with female um, variants of chronic conditions that are that affect both genders, cancer, Um, heart disease, lung disease, etc. So there's still a disproportionately small amount of funding there. And I think um, the thing that we've again seen is that um, it's it's even less an emerging market. So um, the femtech market is estimated to be worth over a trillion dollars by 2026. Um, Huge increases in spending and awareness among kind of populations in general about how technology can empower them to manage their health more effectively. Um, Less than 1% of the venture capital that's available is going to um, companies that target emerging markets. Um, And and an even smaller percentage of that is going to female-led companies that target emerging markets. Such there as Nabta. <laughs> so t- Such t- NAPTA. tell us That's a little bit
0: about, about your platform and, and the role you you hope it's going to be fulfilling in years to come.
1: So I think there, there, there are a few things that we're hoping for Nabta This year, we really want to establish ourselves as the destination for women's health in the UAE. Um, and the way that we work is we start by taking the women's health goal. So are you trying to lose weight, trying to gain weight, trying to fall pregnant, et cetera? And then to support you in identifying any underlying health conditions that you have that might be impacting that goal and kind of what the key ones are. So, if you're trying to conceive, what's the number one thing that is preventing you from falling pregnant? Is it PCOS, but actually, uh, so polycystic ovary syndrome, which is responsible for 70% of female infertility? Does that PCOS having a, have an underlying um, metabolic disorder like insulin resistance? Do you suffer with chronic inflammation? Like, what is it that is actually causing the PCOS? getting women to an accurate diagnosis as quickly as possible. And then from that point, handing over to the traditional healthcare ecosystem for formal diagnosis and treatment, and in parallel, referring women to a a rapidly growing marketplace of um, products and services to support them in managing their health in a more holistic way. Because I think one of the things that women aren't told enough is that in most situations, you have the power to control your health yourself through dietary changes, through lifestyle changes, through access to um, everything from, you know, um, support with your mental health to support with postpartum recovery, et cetera. And um, the last two or three months, we've been working with um, an increasingly large network of amazing companies, many of them female-led, based in the UAE that are helping women every day to plug gaps in the healthcare ecosystem so um, everyone from you know love parenting uae um who offer um, prenatal postpartum um, hypnobirthing courses um, to delta strength doula which is a um which is a, a company that provides birth doula services to small and mighty babies which provide support with um pregnancy and infant loss um, miscarriage and these are again like they're they're fundamental pillars within the women's health and wellness community but they, they're often difficult for women to discover because um, they won't necessarily be referred to them by established healthcare providers. So what we're hoping to do is create this much more connected ecosystem of providers that enable women in a very comprehensive and in a very personalised way to manage their health. And
0: if you'd like to Get your crystal ball out please sophie smith um um what, what would you what would you love to be seeing in the women's health space in 10 years time in an ideal world what changes would be made
1: i'd, I'd like to see i'd like to see women who are uh, i mean there, there are many enablers that that um will allow this to happen but Women who don't women who don't get stuck in endless loops, women who go into to see doctors fully informed, with with knowledge about their symptoms, um, an understanding of how all the pieces in their puzzle fit together, um, the information to support themselves, who who don't who don't get told things like you have PCOS, you're never gonna have a baby, and take that at face value, who you know, who who, who have the the knowledge and the confidence to say, that is not true, and, and, and to be able to back it up. Um, I want women, uh, I, I'd like women to be able to feel like um, their health care is centred around them, and it's the job of providers in the market to supplement and support what they are doing for themselves. So, you know, if you are suffering with interrupted sleep, or joint or muscle pain, or anxiety, you know that it might be because you're vitamin D deficient, and you can you can test yourself for vitamin d deficiency at home and then you can take a supplement and you're confident that you've done the right thing for yourself and i'd like that to extend across all areas of women's health and not be limited by 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 status by culture um by demographic and by um,
0: gatekeepers as well as as you know who some some individuals or companies like to hold that information for themselves and have that sense of power. And I think power is the, the word I was thinking of The through your hope there, is that women feel empowered. Yes. They feel like they can ask questions. They can challenge information. Um, they can challenge individuals who might be delivering news, as you say, in an insensitive or thoughtless way and can can take that power back and thank you so much for everything you're doing to to keep this conversation going I think it's a really really valuable and Sophie and um thank you for your generosity of your time today as well and you do have a little baby uh, on the yeah. way so uh exciting times yeah. for you and let's hope the next generation aren't coming up against the same obstacles as many of us have uh, in recent years thank you again really really appreciate thank it you're listening to Ion Health brought to you by AraPel. Helen Farmer with you as we discuss what is still lacking when it comes to women's health from funding and that big question. If men got pregnant, do we feel like there'd be longer maternity care? <laughs> That's next.
1: More with Ion Health coming up on Dubai I 103.8.